My guests today are Ashley O and Chris Grant. We're here to talk about the best games of the year, according to Polygon for 2016. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. and Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks for Justin, having Justin, it's a real real pleasure. Uh, now, uh, uh, this is both of your first time on the program. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, I think that's right. I think that's right. So um, we're here to talk about game of the year. Before we get into our specific games, uh, I'm going to start with Ashley and then Chris with this question. Um, what's your overall feeling about game of the year and it, and it, its usefulness or your personal uh, affections for it? Uh, you like it? Necessary evil? What do you think? I'll start with you, Ashley. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. It's definitely necessary, but um, I think a lot of people forget that we have so many people on staff with so many different tastes that um, I think looking at our list isn't necessarily reflective of, um, I guess, what's objectively the best game. Um, I think it's just interesting that something small that like everyone kind of liked could end up really high on our list. So um, I would say... like. It is interesting, but to kind of take it with a grain of salt or a little bit more than that, maybe. That makes sense. We've been using, I think, yeah, a variation of this system since Chris and I did this at Joystick. I mean, it's basically the same sort of idea where everybody gets to vote down 10 games and they're weighted with 10 points for your number one and one point for your uh, number 10. And I think that you're right, Ashley, in that it's interesting how a game we our our system sort of by its nature prioritizes uh um like general appeal versus like specific uh love chris what do you what's your uh what's your feelings about game of the year i think um you know and, and to, to that point the system i think it's a very um it, it's like an, it's just like any awards it's inelegant it reflects a certain bias. Uh, just today, we had the Oscars announced, and um, I think our headline on the the awards was something like, "You know, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood, right?" There's shortcuts to get an Oscar-worthy movie. I think, you know, for us, I think there's some shortcuts to get a game onto Polygon's Game of the Year list. Something that is critically acclaimed that's short, which means more people are likely to have played it. Um, but that's not always true. You know, last year it was her story, but this year our winner, and it was actually a top game. Uh, for a lot of people in their top spot, um, was a, you know, I think a game that was an unusual pick for us, but, um, you know, I, I have a really hard time picking 10 games, not only because in any given year, I probably haven't beaten 10 games. I've played probably whatever, 30 or 40, but I don't beat most of the games I play. I, um, oh, hello phone. Um, I don't beat most of the games I play. I, I will start them. I'll play until I sort of get bored or jump onto something else. So if I play through something to the end, it's usually because I really like it. Um, and that that demand for me is like what what gets reflected in my list. Um, that makes my list fundamentally different than somebody's list who doesn't have a toddler. It makes my list different than right. somebody who likes a different kind of game. So um, I uh, you know I think it's fun. I like to go and read other people's lists is how I would put it um, in other sites' lists. But you know, I think if anyone's looking at a list, a game of your list, and thinking that you know 
it's you know to use Ashley's term like an objective um, ranking uh, that gets into the whole question of our game reviews objective, but um, it's not. All that said, Doom is the best game of the year. Well, let's get into that then, uh, Ashley. Uh, we're going to start with your uh, game that that you wrote up for for the site. It is Overwatch, our number three game of the year. Um, what what was it about Overwatch that that spoke to you specifically? Um, I think the most interesting thing about it, well, for me personally, was that. So prior to, I would even say last year, I really wasn't a big uh, shooter fan. Um, and same with like kind of like big multiplayer online games. Like I would not really uh, try to explore that. But I think the thing about Overwatch is that it made it super accessible for people who might have not been familiar with that genre. So um, to compare like playing Destiny, for example, which was like I think the first major shooter that I got into like it's it's so different even from that um it just sort of takes away the like the grind um and like a, a lot of worrying about you know your armor and your abilities and everything like that it's sort of like you just pick a character and then they have a certain set of abilities and you just master them and you just play them and that's it yeah it's interesting I I'm not someone who uh plays a lot of um multiplayer shooters and the cool thing for me about overwatch is that i could stop playing for months and then hop back in when some friends are playing and still be like serviceable you know that that's so rare in a in a in multiplayer shooters like that normally you'd just be completely outclassed uh, uh, uh upon you know letting your your skills lapse for a little while oh yeah when um what is it rise of iron came out for destiny i kind of was like Ah, shit, you know, because I was like maybe a hundred light levels behind everyone else and I hadn't played in so long. And um, it was almost like a little bit hard for me to kind of enjoy getting back into it because I just was so behind at that point. Mm -hmm. Chris, did you get into uh, did you get into that? I have a unique Overwatch problem. Uh, mm. Similar to Justin, here's the thing. I'm super, super good at shooters. Like I could right. be pro if I wanted to be. I just, you know, it's about where I want to spend my time. Sure. Um, but I play on PC mostly. Here's the catch. I use my gaming PC in my living room. Uh, and so I play almost everything with a keyboard and mouse. So if I play Overwatch on PC and I play it on that PC, then I get completely destroyed by everyone using a keyboard and mouse and I'm playing with a gamepad. So I really should just buy a copy on PS4. Probably. Yeah, and I, I have not. So that's my Overwatch challenge. Um, all that said, for a game that I can, uh, you know, despite my really kind of amazing preternatural skills in shooters, um, I'm not able to uh, do very well offensively in Overwatch. Sure. Um, sure. But even then, the fact that I can still find something to do to have fun is really notable uh, because I'm like severely handicapped. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I haven't gotten into too much. I think the thing that I've enjoyed with Overwatch over the last almost year now, I mean, a year for sure in, in the buildup to it, is the sort of fandom around it. Uh, it's a game that is about a bunch of different people shooting each other. Um, and even like, even the, the kind of lore behind it is unrelated to the game you're playing. You know, like Widowmaker is a bad guy and Tracer's a good guy. Yeah, but they're on the same team here. Why? I don't understand. Um, <laughs> right. But the entire lore and backstory and the animations and, and the, the sort of um, the shorts that they've put out 
And the comic books are so well done and the community is so enthusiastic about it. It's like kind of amazing to watch. It makes Blizzard makes the whole thing seem effortless. Um, you know, with few exceptions where it seems like it's maybe a little too much effort, like the, uh, like the ARG that went on for a little too long. Um, yeah. I'm not familiar with this. What, 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 the the ARG, the, um, uh, uh, I I know what an ARG is. Yeah. yeah, I forget the character's name Uh, though. The hacker. Sombra. Sombra. Yeah. Uh, they had like this very long stretched out reveal of a character that went on for maybe a couple beats too long. Until they finally mm-hmm. revealed her at BlizzCon. But then when you saw the reveal at BlizzCon, the audience like erupts. You know, sure. Number one, they all knew it was coming. But number two, it was exciting. Um, and the short they put out was really cool. So yeah, it's been, it's been like neat to watch them not only execute on making a game that I think is like is a very well-balanced and, and well-designed um, multiplayer shooter, which is a tough space to get into in the first place. But the fact that they built this whole fandom behind it, which is like animating a lot of that, it's pretty amazing. And it's going to be exciting this year to see them kind of take that to the competitive levels. Uh, they unveiled their esports plan last year with kind of city-based teams, which I think is really neat. And um, it's just been, it's been exciting to watch. I really like that, um, well, speaking to the, the lore part, like they kind of drop just enough, almost like little breadcrumbs, and everyone just picks up on it so quickly you know um there's like there's only a little bit of detail in terms of like what the overwatch world and history is like and even though we don't know the full story yet like people are so eager to kind of fill in the gaps with like fan art fan fiction and theories and everything like that uh i i colin campbell could not join us today um so we but we are going to talk about the game that he wrote up which was inside our number two game of the year um i think inside's really fascinating because uh i i played it and finished it uh ashley did play it and chris uh played it and and completed it as well um the thing that's really interesting to me about inside and there aren't a lot of games that like i would put into this category but um inside if if you don't know is the the sort of follow-up to limbo um it is again a 2d sort of puzzle platformer very dark um both sort of like visually and narratively um but uh, sort of across the board i think everyone can agree on the the quality of the sort of design and construction of the game but the thing that's been interesting for me about about limbo is, or for sorry for uh, inside um and speaking for myself and i want to hear what you all thought but uh, it it was one of the games where like i could definitely see the the quality of it um but like thematically I just couldn't connect with it. And that seems like kind of a rarity in games that have enough of a sort of perspective like that, that they can still be sort of that divisive. I think one of the things that Inside did really well, I mean, for for starters, it is a polished game. It is um, a lot of, you know, very similar to Limbo. They created just a completely, absolutely beautiful and mechanically um, impeccable puzzle platformer like that part the game part of it is exceptional um and you know what i used to say about limbo is that it felt like limbo was constantly introducing new puzzle mechanics it never reused them it was constantly sort of giving you new things to learn and then um kind of execute and then get rid of i think inside does this the same thing um inside to me I think the thematic observation and um, um, 
I should bring up Collins. Um, gave me your write up because he had some some interesting things to write about. It. But inside uh, inside has a, a lot of very powerful moments in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moment where you're controlling the sort of like automatons with the helmet. The moments with like the little girl in the tank chasing you. Um, yeah. The yeah. moments with the pig. Like there's these moments that like if I mention them to you, you're like, oh my god, yes, wow. They're so evocative. They're so powerful. And you don't necessarily, at least for me, I don't necessarily remember that that was in Inside. Like, I have to, like, intellectually connect that and say, oh, right, that was that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems, like, weird to me. Um, and it's, like, this exceptional game with these exceptional moments. And it brings it all together into this finale. Can we talk about the ending? Is that okay? Um, okay, well, let's go around it a little bit. Sure. The ending is um, <clears throat> memorable. Mm-hmm. is a way to put it and um, and yeah and uh and it's and it's challenging i don't mean that mechanically challenging i mean like narratively challenging in a way that mm-hmm. a lot of games are not um i would call it even like abstract uh and so a lot of the discussion on the ending was like what and how and like that to me is exciting in a game it's exciting when a game does not i mean in a way it has an ending a lot of games you know thanks you beat the bad guy you save the president um <laughs> or they yeah you do save the president at the end of inside yes okay uh, so it's true there are surprising to me it's a helicopter scene there's drug <laughs> drug guys and you blow it up it's great um uh but there this idea that like they had the audacity to conclude on something that changed a lot of what you thought was happening and then did not deliver any easy answers or translations. It's like, that to me was like very powerful. I'm, I'm not sure I understand it. I've read a lot about it, but it's still confusing. Um, in a way I think it's supposed to be, uh, and it kind of is like, I think a nice bit of punctuation on the end of a game that has a lot of these moments and I'm not sure what they all add up to. Uh, Ashley, you you uh, didn't go all the way through inside. Um, do you? But w- what you played of it, did you connect with it, or did did you feel like it was something that you were enjoying, or did you find it like sort of hard to to stomach? Um, I think it it kind of sucked me in in that uh, it started out as like, okay, let's see what this is about. Okay, I can see like we're going along, we're going along, and then. Um, like for example, like if you get killed, like you get shot or if these dogs get you. And then I like stood really close to my screen and I looked at this animation and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is not, this is not what I thought it would be. Like, I didn't think that it would kind of get that dark in such like little tiny moments like that. So, um, I just think that like that alone was just sort of like scratching the surface of, I guess, what the game is about which, you know, I don't fully know yet, but for sure. Uh, yeah, I just found it kind of unpleasant. And like, I, I don't know, I guess I th- there's room for games like that. And I don't, and I don't think, I think everybody has a right to, to do that, um, to, 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 to make games that are, are not like feel good games. It's a very rare thing, I think, in, in the, the, the current landscape, but um, well, I want to point out some of the stuff that Colin wrote about it. Cause I think the idea of it being unpleasant is de- like dead on. Um, he says that inside is a world of dreadful charm, 
a place of satanic, looming factories and gray men, barbed wire, broken things, and corruption. It is someplace between a 1940s blitz city and a futuristic death camp. It is the opposite of a wonderland, and yet such is its awful beauty, I never wanted to leave. And I think this idea that, like, it is grim. He calls it Dickensian somewhere else. Like, it's this, like, very kind of ugly world, and you're not sure why it's so ugly or why it's so hostile. Uh, and then he concludes by saying, Inside's greatest trick is its overarching and unsolvable narrative puzzle. Who is the boy? What is this world? What do the endings mean? These are questions I was free to ponder at length long after I enjoyed discovering all the game's micro secrets. And like, I think that's right. Like, it's it's not nice to be there. It is very evocative and very memorable. In some cases, very beautiful. But it does leave you like puzzled. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think that's like a, just a very challenging thing for a game to do. And it's even more challenging for it to succeed, you know, critically and commercially doing it. I'll tell you what's not challenging aesthetically <laughs> it's our number one polygon's number one game of the year which was doom 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 uh christopher grant what's up with doom man oh. i loved doom a lot what uh, take me back though to the literal day before you played doom okay so the day before i played doom here's what i thought about doom I guess Doom comes out tomorrow. Uh-huh. Well, that multiplayer demo was real bad. Um, hmm. I guess I'll try it. I mean, I love the first Doom. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I think it's one of the most important, if not the most important game ever made. Like, I'm going to... Oh, okay, I'll play it. The next day... Uh, and this was all probably like a day before it came out because we got a review copy, but that's the sense review copies out exactly one day early now. Um... I played it, uh, and it's amazing. It's like it's amazing in the first in the first sixty seconds, and then in the first five minutes. Like the introduction is instant, um, and then within the first five minutes, they sort of show you a lot of what you need to know about the game before letting you free on the surface of Mars. Um, and so, so w- here's what you immediately are greeted with when you start Doom. You wake up, you uh, immediately are off, you're like in a bench, you're immediately off this gurney, Um, you kill some dudes uh, real fast, um, and you're moving super quickly, and I think they sort of exaggerate that by putting you in this small room, this underground room. Uh, You get your helmet, Uh, it's like this cool doom scene, you're like, "Mm, go cool, the helmet. You go and uh, immediately get dropped into one of the game's arenas. Um with the sort of the sort of mechanic of the game is that you are being strung from place to place um and there's these combat arenas where they dump a bunch of enemies on you you beat them all and then you move on um, and that sort of becomes almost a puzzle mechanic later on you get into an elevator with a shotgun that you uh that you um pump uh in tune with the music and the doom logo comes up and then you're on the surface of mars and it's like the coolest introduction to a game it gives you such a sense of the game's priorities and the game's kind of style it gives you a sense of the game's sense of humor and the game's sort of self-awareness um and it does it all in this very kind of elegant and very quick introduction which is unusual i think for shooters shooters spend so much time in the tutorial spend so much time taking themselves seriously and doom does not doom is um i think the term i use in my review and the term i've used to describe it he said doom is joyous 
I felt like I, mm. the whole time I played it, I had a huge smile on my face, which is a really weird feeling to have for a game that's like hyper violent about ripping demons in half. Um, but I think in part that's because of the way the game feels. Um, it feels very fast, very fluid, very like in like in in um, in turn very fun. But also the game does not take itself seriously. It's a game about um, a, a doom guy who punches and kicks the demons to death and then cuts them up and um, goes and does it again. And it's like, it's just silly enough. It's just self-aware um, enough. And that, you know, sort of matched with a mechanic that felt both like familiar but also mm-hmm. like entirely new, entirely um, um, exciting and invigorating. I yeah, I couldn't stop playing it. It's interesting because they really captured. Um, yeah, I think you talked about we talked about this while you were working on your write up. Um, but a lot of remakes and reboots try to capture what the original game was, and uh, Doom tries to recapture how the original game made you feel. Which is very, which is I think a lot more useful and interesting, um, and probably tougher. Honestly, you know anybody can update, you know can can reuse mechanics and and update graphics, but like to recapture a spirit of a thing, I think is really a, a more impressive feat. Yeah, and that to me, like, how did it do that? It it does it with the speed that it is singularly focused on making it feel fast. Um, and when you go back and watch or, or play the first Doom, you don't realize like it is actually very fast. You know, you start, you get a gun, you blow up the the canisters in front of you, you're shooting guys like right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of Doom is about the level design, the level and how the level design sort of teaches you, <laughs> teaches you the the game mechanics themselves. That teaches you um, um, how to use all the weapons or how to balance all these weapons. And that's something that the new Doom does as well. It does it with the arena model. Um, it has this glory kill mechanic, which is like a melee attack that you can string once you've staggered an enemy. So you can stagger an enemy, go shoot a bunch of other guys, and then return to that enemy, do this glory kill, which is um, it, it's a sort of canned animation. Uh, it's usually very violent. You rip them apart, and then like it's a pinata. They explode with health. And then you gather that health and use it to go to the next sort of loop that you've set up for yourself. You stagger another enemy, you hit some more guys, you rip that enemy in half and get health out. Um, it has a... The entire game is wrapped around its mechanics. It's not wrapped around much of a narrative at all. So it's all really, in a way, it's about... The game is about um, the mechanics itself. And... I mentioned in my review, and I wasn't the first person to point this out, but it actually feels a lot like a Nintendo game. Um, it has this sort of super simple, almost like um, nonsense, Mad Lib style narrative and, and setting. None of that matters. It's just all about how you get from one place to the next, what the locomotion feels like, what the combat feels like, um, and you know, sort of wrapped up in this speed metal aesthetic. Uh, and uh, it feels very it's cheesy but in a way that is entirely self-aware uh ashley did you play doom i did it was uh my number two after overwatch wow okay cool so was i watching your number one Mm -hmm. um for okay this is a an unfair question to ask but 
Uh, when you were weighing those two, what uh, was it for you that put Overwatch over Doom? Obviously not to disparage Doom because it, it, it ruled and was also sweet. Of course. Um, honestly, I think it just comes down to how many hours I've sunk in, which might be unfair mm. to say because, you know, Doom isn't like you finish the campaign. Sure. You can keep playing multiplayer. Sure. But Overwatch just um, kind of just took over my life in, the, in that way. So um, in terms of like mechanics and everything, I, I definitely want to say that Doom has my vote on that. Um I actually wasn't even going to get Doom or play it at all. Like when I saw trailers for it, like I wasn't super interested in it. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. sure, it's going to come out. Um, and then I don't really know if it was a long weekend or what. I just decided on a whim, like, I guess I'll get it. I'll see what it's about. And I just like honestly didn't eat for like six hours. I just kept <laughs> playing this. And I was like, I'm so hungry, but I can't stop playing this game. It was amazing. <laughs> It's a it's interesting. I think I don't think see I don't think um I, I think that the criteria of like what I spent the most time with is completely valid because I think it speaks to this interesting differentiation between like games and movies where like games are in addition to being a, a work of art that can be judged on a list like this, they're also products and services and like the fact that Overwatch continued to bring you in like that speaks to like its value as a product or service, which I think is just as important as its like sort of artistic uh, achievements as like game design. I think um, Doom, you know, there are places where Doom failed. Um, I think the multiplayer. Yeah, half of Doom is bad. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing we should have mentioned before, <laughs> but half of it is a bad game. Yeah, the multiplayer is not good. You know, for a game that basically invented the idea of deathmatch, like, yeah, they did not do a good job. Um, mm. I think if you look at, like, you know, there's a lot of excuses to be made here. Um, it was handled by a separate team. It doesn't feel like the core Doom gameplay. Um, the uh, the studio that made Doom Id is working on an arena shooter for Quake, like, like a free-to-play uh, arena shooter. So... I think they are focused on multiplayer, just not on this game. This was not going to be their multiplayer product. Um, and so they felt like they needed to have it. They outsourced it. It isn't very good. It's not worth your time. They made this snap map feature to do user-generated levels, which I think is a really clever idea. Um, it just isn't good enough to make things that feel really special. Um and when you think about some of the games that have really cool level creation tool sets and what that results in, you know, Mario Maker being a good example, you don't see a lot of that same kind of product for Doom. You know, I think it's too capped. It's too limited. And you compare it to the modding stuff that you get out of Skyrim, another Bethesda game, um, or, or Bethesda published game. And it's just like so much different. I, I'm not sure why. I think they wanted more people to create in Doom, so they didn't make a full kind of open tool set. They kind of made this this um, user-friendly one, but I, I think it was a miss. Um, there, there's some cool stuff. You can load it up and, and poke around. You just won't spend too long in it. They did add the arcade mode, which is a lot of fun. Um, the game is a lot of fun to play through again once you sort of know where it's going and once you've, um, you know, especially once you've gotten better at the... Uh, the actual mechanics and, and you sort of fly through the levels the second time through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a perfect game. What's, what's really stood out to me with doom was there was a level of, I think 
um, inventiveness in, again, taking what the feeling of Doom was and uh, almost resuscitating it for a whole new generation of shooters. Um, you know, we had a lot of shooters on our list this year. It was actually a great year for shooters between Titanfall and Overwatch and um, and Doom. And, and uh, the new Call of Duty was excellent. The fact that Doom sort of reached back into its own legacy, which also happens to be the legacy of pretty much all shooters, and come up with a formula that felt legitimately new uh, to me, that I think was really exciting to me. Um, and you know, sort of despite its limitations, it was my favorite game based on the time I had spent with it. To Ashley's point, like playing it for six hours in a row, I, I have a toddler and um, there are some games I can play around a toddler. Uh, Doom is not one of them. So yeah, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would find myself waking up. Also, here's the thing about toddlers. They wake up really early. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was waking up earlier than my toddler so that I could go downstairs and play Doom before he woke up and said, Daddy, what are you doing on this on the TV? Um, and that, I think, to me, is like a real sign of the way it got into my brain. It, I thought about it all the time. And I would try and make time to play it. And when I would get blocked, he would wake up. I'd have to stop. I would just think, like, when is, when is my next chance to, like, play this? Is it going to be tomorrow? Maybe I'll get a nap out of him today and I can play it. Um, and that's super unusual. Like, that doesn't happen to me. That's not the way I usually think about games. And it is absolutely how I thought about Doom until how, I finished it. How early did you get up, Chris? Just curious. It would be like 5.30. Oh, my God. Yeah, because Homie gets that's up at like 6.37. So if I cracked an eye open, normally I crack an eye open and look at the clock and think, oh, I got another hour or so. I cracked an eye open. It was like 5.30. Perfect. Jump out of bed. Run downstairs. It was like Christmas morning every time I got to play it. Uh, well, folks, that's going to do it for us. Those are our games of 2016. It's taking us a while to get to this point. Uh, I know it's confusing that the best game of the year, Super Hot, was not our number one game. But them's the breaks when you're working with a staff of uncultured uh, uh, cavemen, basically. Uh, but sadly, uh, the list remains. Doom is also fine. And it's just another. Round. It's just another example of a shooter this year that was just amazing. It's just another shooter, unlike Super Hot, which is a way of life and a religion. Uh, that is going to do it for us this week. I want to thank you, Ashley, and thank you, Chris, for joining us. Uh, thank you at home for listening. If you can take a moment and uh, go to iTunes and rate and review our program, we would really appreciate that. If you enjoy it, if you don't like it, just don't. Just like, don't. I don't need that. Just play some Doom. Uh, just go play some Doom and lighten up a little bit. But that's going to do it for us. For Ashley O and Christopher Graham, my name is Justin McElroy. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.